Welcome to Starting Points, a podcast from Faith on Hill Church in Milwaukee, Oregon. My name's Adam. I'm the pastor at Faith on Hill. Starting Points is designed to be an entry or a re-entry into studying the Bible. From Genesis through Revelation, we look at all of the books of the Bible, all of the major sections of the Bible, and we look at what the book's about, what are the major issues of the book, what's the human stories in the book, and where's Jesus found? Today we're going to be looking at the book of 1 Samuel. Now, if you listen to our other podcast, the 20-Minute Bible Study, then you'll be uh, familiar with this. We just finished the book of 1 Samuel at the 20-Minute Bible Study. Now, as far as who wrote it, tradition says that it was written by the prophet Samuel up until his death. And then in the narrative when when Samuel dies, um, it was finished by the prophets Gad and Nathan. Um, and, and Nathan is, is one who kind of comes into the story with David in Second in Samuel, uh, somewhat well-known because of his connection to the story of David and Bathsheba. Uh, but the tradition says that those two finished uh, what Samuel began. Um, more, more modern scholarship tends to think that it was several writings and that um, Jewish scribes and rabbis after the return from Babylon put them together as the books of First and Second Samuel. I, I think there's probably a, a middle ground that is both uh, in line with modern scholarship and Jewish tradition. I, I don't see why the two have to be competing with each other. That the idea that there were these prophetic writings that generally speaking were the time, the era of Samuel, and and then if if it wasn't two books, maybe it was three or it was several scrolls, and then the the scribes and the the rabbis after the return from Babylon and you know from um, from the book of Nehemiah where they find uh, the scrolls of the law and the prophets and they read them before the people in Jerusalem. I don't see why it's it's hard for us to understand the idea that they could have um, collated some things into into a more cohesive canon at that point. I don't think the two are, are modern scholarship or ancient tradition are at odds on this point. I think it's just the perspective at which you place things. Now, the book is kind of divided into three main sections around three main people. Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 1 through chapter 8 is about Samuel, the prophet Samuel, uh, born um, kind of in miraculous situations. His, his mother could not have children and pleaded with God for a child and said, if, if I could have a child, if I could only have a child, then this, this child will be dedicated to your service. And, and she became pregnant, even though for years she could not be pregnant. And she had such faith in God that she when the boy was old enough, she left the boy at the tabernacle, which was the temple before there was a temple, and with the priest, and he was brought up in the tabernacle serving God there. And God blessed her with other children, but she had such faith that God will provide, that she, in, in rejoicing and gratitude for what God had done, said, here, Lord, I give this back to you. And then Samuel grew up. God used him as a prophet to... Um, do a cleansing work both within the, the priesthood and in the nation. He anointed the first two kings of Israel. He was the last of the Old Testament judges, if you know the book of the, the Judges. An incredibly important figure in ancient Israel's history. Then chapters 9 through 15 deal with 
the reign of King Saul, the first king of Israel. And Saul is a tragic figure. Saul starts well, he's well-intentioned, and he ends horribly and tragically. So much so that God has to say, Saul, I reject you as king. I'm taking the kingdom away from you and I'm giving it to someone else. And so he sends Samuel to anoint another king, this time a young shepherd named David. And chapters 16 through 31 deal with David as he grows up, as he, as he rises, as he has to flee, as King Saul wants to kill him because he's his rival. And so David has to flee and go into hiding, but all that time God is with him and is strengthening him and is preparing him. And that's where there's so many human stories in the book of, of 1 Samuel. You know, Samuel himself, his story is so incredibly human. It's a broken family life. His father had two wives, and the one wife could not have children. And the father loved her more, but he didn't have any children. So she always felt lesser than the other wife who couldn't, who could have children. Yet the other wife who could have children, despite all this, she knew that she wasn't loved like the first wife was. And so she would treat the, she would treat Hannah, Samuel's mother, horribly because she wanted the love that she was denied. Broken family situation. And yet, God provided. His mother's infertile. I know so many women and so many families that deal with infertility. The state of Israel at the time of the judges, Samuel is a tool of God's hand, and, and he's, he's serving God. And, and man, you just see so many ways in which I recognize my human experience in the experience of Samuel. And then there's Saul, who's flawed. He starts so strong and he ends so tragically. Let me say this, by the way. Almost no great leader in the Old Testament ends well. Now, contrast that with the New Testament. There are some who do not end well in the New Testament, but most of the leaders do. And it makes me think of our own day and what's going on because so many Christian leaders in the church are not ending well. And I have to remind myself, first of all, that the majority are, the majority of leaders within the church are ending well. I have to remind myself of that all the time. But those who aren't, why aren't they? And is it because they are ruling or leading in the vein of the Old Testament and not the New Testament? They're not living in the covenant of grace, and they're not living by the power of God the Holy Spirit. And then there's King David, who's a man after God's own heart. He's not perfect. He gets a lot of things wrong. We're getting into 2 Samuel. I mean, 1 Samuel has a lot of things David does wrong too, but man, 2 Samuel, we're going to start to see a lot of things David does wrong. Uh, you can check out the 20-minute Bible study podcast for that. But David wanted God. And that's the thing you have to understand. There's times in the Old Testament, like in 1 2 Kings, 1 2 Chronicles, where, where one of David's descendants, a future king of Israel, will say something like, you know, okay, King David did this. I, I'm going to do it. But what they miss is, yeah, David screwed up in this area. In this, in this part of his life, David was not living as God wanted him to live. But the difference is that David wanted God, so he was always coming back. He was always seeking. You know, we don't get everything right. We're figuring things out. We're still surrendering ourselves to God so that he can change us and give us his power. But the heart that in, is seeking God Versus the person that's like, you know, I'll do it if it's easy. I'll do it if it's not inconvenient. That's the key difference. Now, there's a lot of landmines in the book. 
and it's the same kind of ones you get into in a lot of uh, the Old Testament books. Descriptive versus prescriptive, which means is the Bible describing a situation or is the Bible prescribing a situation? Is it suggesting, hey, you should all do this, or is it saying, yeah, this is just how it was? And that's where you get a lot of these landmines where there's some horrible actions, there's some horrible sin, there's uh, patriarchy, there's misogyny, uh, there's um, brutality, there's, there's warmongering, there's all this kind of stuff. You go, ooh, that's in the Bible? Is it prescribing it? Is it suggesting that we do that? Or is it saying, hey, this is how it was, and this is why we need Jesus? Um, other landmines in the book, there's actually a lot of demonology in the book. A lot of uh, occultic activity in the book of 1 Samuel. Um, the King Saul is plagued by, by what's described as, as, a, as demonic torment. Uh, and at the end of his life, he goes to a a witch, a, a somebody who could claim to be able to call forth the spirits of the dead. There, there, there's a lot of occult practices, and that has to kind of be like, whoa, what's going on here? You have to process through this, what's happening? Um, and so there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff to work through there. Now, the book does clear up a lot of things, too. Um, it gives a decisive end to the era of the Judges, which is dealt with in the book of Judges, the book of Ruth, and then the beginning of 1 Samuel. Um, it gives the line of the kings, the story really of the nation of Israel from King Saul, King David, through to the Babylonian captivity, and then even afterwards, is the story that begins here. And also the house of David, which is important for Israel because David's house is the royal house, the monarch, the, the, the royal house of Israel. But it's important for us because out of the house of David, out of the line of David, comes the Messiah. And that's the question, the main question we always ask is, where is Jesus seen in any book of the Bible? We'll see Jesus in several ways. First is, is obviously, since Jesus is our king, you compare him to human leaders, and you see the failure of human leaders, human saviors. Eli, the priest, failure. His sons, Hophni and Phinehas, failures. Jesus is our high priest who has never failed. Saul and David, both kings, who were flawed, sinful, broken. Jesus is our king who is perfect and victorious. So can, we, we see Jesus in that we need somebody who will be the perfect prophet, priest, and king. And as we look through the book of 1 Samuel, we see imperfect prophets, imperfect priests, imperfect kings, and Jesus brings the perfection that they lack. Jesus is seen in the house of David. Of course, he will be a descendant of King David. He will rule and reign on, on the throne of the line of David. The mercy of God. You know, I was thinking about Hannah. I love that story so much. The beginning of 1 Samuel. How Hannah is weeping there before, you know, the, the tabernacle and the, 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 the holy place where she's praying to God. And God shows such mercy to her. Oh, I love that. And the mercy of God with David. I mean, he's, you know, at the end of the book, he's out in, in among the Philistines. He's out basically out living among the heathens. We, we, you know, church words for it would be like backslidden or fallen away. I mean, that's kind of the closest thing we have to describe it. This idea of somebody who's just not where they should be. And yet all the time that he's out there, all the time that he is out wandering and, and far from where he should be, living outside of the land of promise, 
God is still working in his life, still reaching out to him, still trying to bring him back. And I'm so thankful for that, that Jesus is seen because Jesus is doing that in our own day. There are people who are lost, who are wandering, who are living outside of the land of promise, people who are out among the pain and the suffering of a world that is dead and dying instead of living in the blessings and the joys of God. And yet Jesus is out calling people to come back to come in, be part of it, get, get to where things are good and whole and healing. Oh, I love that, that, that even out at his farthest wandering point, David is called back by God just as Jesus has called us back. I love to hear about that. The book of 1 Samuel obviously sets up the book of 2 Samuel, which we will talk about next time continuing the story as David becomes king and moves forward in the plans that God has for him. I want to thank you for joining us for another episode of the Starting Points podcast. New episodes are released on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Video versions are available on our Facebook page. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at, at Faith on Hill. Our website is faithonhill.com. And my name's Adam. I'm the pastor here at Faith on Hill. We meet on Sunday mornings, 1030 a.m., in person and online. And then we have small groups that meet throughout the week, and you can email smallgroups at faithonhill.com for more information. All right. Hope you have a great week, and we'll see you next time. God bless you.